Hey everybody, welcome to Kirk and Off, a weekly podcast where my cousin and I talk about Kirk Minahan and the happenings inside of his world. My name's Buddy, he's Blind Mike Staddy. Blind Mike Staddy, say hello. Are we on the air? Uh, yes, Mr. Support and I, we're, we're live. Okay. Um, so Blind Mike Staddy, as I tweeted, and I'm sure you know all of uh, the people who listen to this podcast, all 10 of them saw my tweet, but um, uh, with us this week we have a titan in the Miniverse, um, a true legend, um, and somebody from our hometown. Kevin from Bristol joins us. Kevin, how's it going? It's going fucking well. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. Thank the, you. So, uh, before we start, um, Kev, I just have a question for Blind Mike's Daddy. What happened to that Christmas tree? Uh, all right. What? Fucking, it fell. <laughs> it fell. Uh, so, it fell. My, I was at the doctor's office because I had an appointment today. That's another story. But anyways, the tree fell. Uh, my wife t- texted me the picture. She's like, "When are you coming home?" The tree fell, and we're gonna blame it. On, we're gonna blame it on the cat. I was like, "Nah, it's alright. It fell last year as well." So, so we're like finagling at, you know, trying to get it to stand up straight. My dad comes to help. We get it back up. The fucking thing falls over again. So we had to get a new. We had another tree stand or something to hold the tree up. Mm-hmm. But it was the same exact one. It was for an eight footer. That tree's like seven feet something. Mm-hmm. So we pulled the tree out, and we're like, oh, the fucking stump. They cut it sideways. So it was always going to be tilted, so it was going to fall. So we, I don't have, like, a saw, so I had to go in the shed and get a bow saw. Yeah. And do, like, colonial times and cut the fucking thing myself. <laughs> so I got my cardio in today. So and long story short, the tree's back up, and it's a dilapidated tree, but it, it, it's still a Christmas tree. So that's where we're at. Well, I'm glad to hear everything worked out. Uh, Kevin, my first question for you is Dunkin' Donuts over Sip and Dip? Really? Oh, no, no. I I, I choose neither. I, if I had to choose between the two, it would probably be Sip and Dip. Uh, my kids like it better. You can get the uh, bagel with egg and cheese and a coffee. Uh, you get the bagel and egg and cheese for free. Um, so when I'm with the kids, it's Sip and Dip. But for the most part, um, I, I, I dig fucking real local coffee beans, grind them myself, make my own coffee. I was just in a rush. I was driving by one. I stopped. I was polite. I took the fucking uh, air quote uh, barista's suggestion to try the sugar plum. And it was like, I just, I just, uh, I literally, it was like a homeless man. They let him down a bottle of Merlot and he shitted his diarrhea into my coffee. It was so fucking putrid. It was, I, I, can, I'm, I can tough out anything. I can drink anything. I'm like, ah, you know, I, I can sit at, a, at a, someone's house and eat a shitty meal and smile. I, I could not stomach it. And, and to throw money away from me is a fucking big deal. I took that coffee. I dropped it in the trash. Best thing I ever did. Fucking, and it came out in the wash later on. That sugar plum came out in my sugar toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So my earliest memories of you is obviously from WEI. Um, we have a local paper in Bristol called the Bristol Phoenix. Yeah, and um, I, and some people know this. Uh, you know, original fans know WEI of the Wiener Winer line. That's right. My earliest memory of you is winning an award for for I, having I, the best one liner yeah, or whatever it was. Here's what here's what it was. The Wiener Winer line gave out um, every, every week. They had a contest, and if you if you were the wine of the week, you won a hundred dollar gift gift certificate to Grossman's Bargain Outlet. Mm. I was building a house at the time. I was fucking broke. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna try my fucking hardest to win the wine of the week and get um, you know, hundred dollar gift cards to groceries where I can get some fucking you know a vanity or whatever. And um, it became like a, a goddamn mission where I was like, 
I'd listen to the show and I, and I would I would try to catch on to what they were talking about and then boom I'm writing a song and I would just in my fucking work truck driving down the road I would do an acapella version of a song and sing it and I, and I actually won best musical wine and then <laughs> in, in, in that for in that in the second year I did it again and um when I tell you I, I swear to God I must have won almost every week I had like, a, a good eighteen hundred dollars in fucking grocery uh, <laughs> market, and I was I was gonna I so I won I won wine of the wine of the year a uh, musical wine of the year, and I right. went up on stage, um, um, Lou Marloni and uh, Cedric Maxwell gave me my award my my, wow. my winey award, and I went up on stage I gave a speech and I sang my fucking <laughs> announcement speech it was a fucking Neil Diamond parody song and I fucking <laughs> the whole audience was singing along with me it was great. But next year I was up for Wine of the Year, and they're like, yeah, you're going to win Wine of the Year, and the winies got canceled, and they never oh. came back. Glenn got fucking axed. It was mm-hmm. all right. over. But um, oh. but yeah, I mean, I don't know how far you want to delve into this. That, that, that doing the Wine of the Week, and actually when I called in, I called in to um, mostly um, John and Jerry, mm-hmm. and I called in to Dale and Holly. Mm-hmm. Dale and Holly had no sense of humor. They were fucking cocks. It was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, like, they're it was, so I, dry. I, I used uh, but, to hate that show. Oh, oh man. But, but it was on when I was driving a lot. Mm. So those are the two shows I called into. I, I had, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself, but after being, um, a bit of a creative type and being in LA and, and writing and acting and I moved back home, I had no outlet for, um, my creative side. So that's what led me to even start writing those fucking wine of the weeks, the songs. I needed something to do with my fucking mind because I, I love shit like that. So we can get back. We can get to that fully in a, in a matter of minutes. But that that's that's where I stood as far as EEI went. I it was I was able to call in and be characters and do voices, and it was an outlet for my fucking brain because I couldn't stand the fact that I wasn't you know acting and performing and auditioning mm-hmm. anymore. So so um, can you talk about how um, calling changed maybe like after um, Kirk started like on the show like because because I feel like I feel like the the Kevin from Bristol like character persona like really started to grow once once it became Kirk and Jerry, you know, and uh, that I have I have a follow up question to that, but I'd but I'd like to hear your answer first if that's okay. Yeah, no, and you you are you are a, a thousand you're a hundred percent correct. When when Kirk came on the show, um, a light went off. It was like it wasn't just asking sports questions and making a few jokes. It was Kirk came on the show and just it, it changed everything. He brought a dynamic to the show that was like, holy shit! You go on and you call in and you're sparring with him, and he knew how to like how to like how to like um, set you up. He knew yeah. how to how to lead you into things. And I was like, oh my god! It was it was like I was I, I once had a job where I was a, um, a, a casting leader. I would read the same lines over and over again, and people would come in to go for a role. And I was basically the 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 the, the fucking sex doll. I would just sit all day, <laughs> just take take terrible actors, you know, acting to me, and I'd read back to them. When I when I called and Kirk was part of the show, all of a sudden some someone was bouncing off me. I was like, wow, this guy gets it. He knows how to play along. He knows how to lead me into shit. I mean, Kirk just he had a gift right from the get go mm-hmm. with the callers on how to either flip out on them, how to how to get the best out of them. You know, when I would call as characters, Kirk knew how to get the most out of the character. And the sad part was on those shows, you guys have no idea how many calls got either axed. I got they told me that you can't call today. Or they fucking edited the shit out of it, and in the background, Kirk's flipping out, saying, "What he's saying isn't even that bad." Mm-hmm. They, 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 I was just trying to use innuendo to be funny, because mm-hmm. that my, my, let's face it, most of my 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 humor, not most of it, but I'd say seventy percent of it is fucking toilet humor. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it. I, I can tell you where it came from, but for the most part, um, Kirk knew how to uh, 
dance with me. If that sounds so gay, but yeah. I, I, I would, I, I'd be gay for Kirk, so fuck it. You know, um, it, it, he he knew how to play the game and dance and spar and go back and forth. And all of a sudden, it was like that that fire that had been snubbed out by not being in L.A. anymore. It was back, and I would mm-hmm. call. And whether it was Hungwell, or whether it was Elmo, or whether it was fucking Gam Gam, or whether it was you know, and, and I would call those other people too. One one shot, one timers. No one even knew it was me, which I mm-hmm. fucking I, I took as such a great. Um, I was like, wow, they didn't know it was me. I was mm-hmm. so happy with that, you know? But anyway, um, I digress. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no problem. So you talked about kind of like kind of like characters. Uh, and that that brings me, this is, it's going to be one of those questions that if Kirk ever heard, he'd play in the podcast because it's going to be 800 fucking words. Um, so that brings me to a tweet that I saw from you. Where I, So first of all, I want to thank you for clearing something up for me. I didn't know how to say Rigilds. I was saying I called them Ridge Golds last week. I didn't know how to say Ridgels, so so I'm very happy that you asked that. Um, but last week on the podcast, Tim was on, and he expressed uh, his thanks and gratitude to Captain Dorian Hunwell. Hunwell. Uh, so you know that's you know uh, one of one of our favorite characters. So I was mm-hmm. laughing quite a bit. And 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 off of that, um, we actually have a fan question submitted from the town of Canton, Massachusetts. Wow. Um, I can and, only imagine who that would be. I know. And, and uh, young Tim asks, could you describe the scenario in which you were banned from Kirk and Callahan? And who actually banned you? Because as we all know, uh, on this podcast, Tim said that Curtis called him once and told him he had to take two weeks off. What happened with the with the Captain Hungwell um, fiasco? Actually, it, you, you know what? There are people who don't even know who Captain Hungwell is, so you might want to explain that as well. Uh, Captain Dorian Hungwell was uh, um, a U.S. Navy officer who, um, as part of his um, commitment to being a good American, he would often take on either uh, wives or moms or even grandmothers <laughs> or, or even daughters, fuck it, who, who were not getting the sexual satisfaction out of their relationship. And Hongwell would come in and he would just fucking eat them out and fuck them. And uh, <laughs> just he really would make them... Uh, know that they were women. Hungwell was, you know, um, a guy who was there to please. And even at times, he, he wouldn't care if another man was there. He, Hungwell was very, very, um, for, for, uh, for a guy who was part of the military, very uh, progressive. And, um, you know, they, I would call EEI, and trust me, I, I would try so hard to make sure that, my, I, I wouldn't have a script necessarily, but I would have um, bullet points, things I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about. And Hungwell would connect the dots very well. And especially if Kirk was on, holy shit, he knew how to fucking ask the questions or, 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 or wait or pause. But anyway, what Hungwell would do was, um, you know, he, he would, whether, whether it was servicing Mutt's wife, which he did very well. <laughs> she, she was an incredible self-lubricating woman. She had a stream of, of, of vaginal fluids that was remarkable. Well, if, but, if I could just cut in, she probably yeah. had to to get Carter out. Right, that's like. true. That's true. <laughs> Shit out that hairy monkey. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, um, so when I would call EEI, uh, Curtis was 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 excited. He, he when I called, uh, I mean, it, it, and I don't want to brag. When I called, Curtis is like, "You're going on in two seconds." Oh, he he sick. put me on deck. He he bumped the whole line. He knew, you know, he knew that that I was a good call, and that's I appreciated that. Um, all of a sudden, it started getting to the point where, where Curtis would say things like, "Listen." tone it down too much and I, and I just kept I just kept cutting back and cutting back and cutting back and Kirk was getting pissed Kirk's like what the fuck and they, they, they were they were they were bleeping me out when I wasn't saying even but, bad words Kevin can I cut you off yeah was was that due to that whole 
Murchison stuff? Was that when? Yes. That was, okay. Yes, that okay. was all, all right. starting to brew, okay. and I, I didn't know that at the time. Okay. But um, it got to the point where um, Curtis would say something like, you know, um, uh, you know, dial it down the innuendo. But then it was like I'd call and he'd say, "Not today, not today, Kev." Oh, and I would have something. Yeah. I would have something that was just so fucking amazing for that show or that moment, and it crushed me. He's like, "Not today." And then I got to the point where he was saying, "You know, I can't put you on anymore." I'm like, "Who's telling you this?" Yeah. And, and he's like, "He's like, listen, it's it's from the top." He's like, and it got to the point where where I'd get in once in a while, and then it was like, "Listen, you are, you are officially banned." And and, wow. and and trust me, when Kirk was at the end, the end of the show. I knew it was coming, and I was putting together a dossier of songs and people. I had a whole, I had a whole fucking smorgasbord for the last, you know, the last couple of times Kirk was on, and I, I was so excited to present what I had for Kirk, and I made it, I crafted it so, so carefully that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't get Curtis in trouble. And I'm like, Curtis, what I have here will not, this is, it will not get you in trouble. You know, I, I have, I've made this, and he's like, he's like, nope, not doing it. Not doing it. Goodbye. And he hung up. Wow. I call back. My like, Curtis, what are you doing? You, this, this is this is Kirk's farewell. I, I have something here that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And and um, and yeah, Curtis, he got really cold and dickish at the end. You know, yeah. he was uh, he was truly became um, uh, Zarbano's fucking uh, you know bitch. bouncer. Yeah, mm-hmm. bitch. Yeah, Better similar. What, that that feeling you're describing is like is similar to what like like I'm gonna thread with. Kirk's callers, like a bunch of us parody callers, and it's like when we're on hold, and Steve Robinson's like, All right, or, or, or Kirk is like, okay, we're one or two more calls, and then you have this great idea lined up, and then they cut you off. It's not close to what you've been through, but it, I, I can I can understand that feeling for sure. But um, so do you, that that mechanic, um, Steve's mechanic, is he, does he friendly with uh, Captain Ongwell? Do they know each other at all? You know, it's funny you say that. Um... Hungwell, and he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, he's not. Um, Hungwell drives like a like a Toyota Tacoma. He's not. He's not like into anything fancy. And <laughs> okay. um, he brought his car into Willie's shop, and they 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 traded off uh, sex stories for a while. It's pretty pretty impressive to hear uh, two guys who swing a big wrench, you know, um, <laughs> talk about uh, hollowing out some vagina. Do, so, do yeah, they ever yeah, hang they, out with they, Steve's they, with Steve's wife together? <laughs> I think that's a future. That might be a future endeavor where uh, where, where Willie tells Hungwell, "I've I've got a girl who really you know has needed uh, at least two two to three cocks um, to, to fulfill one of her fantasies." So maybe down the road, uh, you know, Mister <laughs> Mister Banger out and um, Captain Hungwell can get together and do a little double duty. So while we're on the subject of calls, like is there a creative process i mean last week i talked about what i what i go through i'd like to do a little story arc now so i don't blow my load and, and make my blind mike's daddy stale is there a creative process that goes into your calls like do you have an idea in your head how does it work well first of all i want to say blind mike's daddy is just a, just a fucking top-notch caller when when you come in with different voices and you change it up you. on the guys it it, it 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 makes me so happy to hear stuff like that i am such an ally for other callers other singers you know it's not competition we are part of the same team right We're a family, um, right? I, like i i love uh, like the parody song guys uh, steve's the liar guys fucking gold yeah. standard macaronos right there um yeah uh, uh, acoustic theory is it um there's there's a few guys yeah, who are just oh, like you know north, so yeah. much talent. Warden in the north um they're just guys who i'm like wow i'm so i'm so proud 
to be to be part of a fucking squadron with these people. Then it's the callers and the characters, and you know, and I I, I truly pride myself in the fact that I can write stuff, I can sing stuff, I can do different voices. I, I, this all goes back to, to my roots of, of becoming you know an actor and a performer and all that shit, and I get to use it on this show, and it makes me so happy. But as far as as far as like gearing up for something, I listen to a show, and um, something will trigger something off in my brain. You know, uh, as far as the the Willie mechanic calls, um, I was gonna call that day, and Kirk messaged me, and he's like, "Listen, um, it'd be great if, if your call was um, as as." Uh, Stephen Providence's mechanic, <laughs> and, and, and and that goes. That's I threw I threw everything yeah. that I was doing out the window because Kirk has such Kirk has amazing instincts. Yeah. Um. I I I I did decent in L.A. He did nothing in L.A. If if the Kirk now took his mind and he was in L.A., I truly believe he could be um a success as far as whether it be the writing skits or writing something. I mean, obviously he's successful enough as it is. Fuck him. He's got plenty of success. I need some. Um. But. When he said that, I was like, wow, this, this, this has potential to be great. And I went to work in, in, in plotting a few things that I wanted to, to, to touch on. And just like always, Kirk knew when to break. He knew when to ask me a question. He knew when to let me talk. And right. uh, it just developed. It developed, um, I'd say, half that skit. There were some bullet points of things I wanted to say. And the other half was just me fucking improvising. And, <laughs> and, and sometimes it, it, it is a fucking grand slam. Then the next time uh, Kirk messaged me... Um, <laughs> Tuesday's call. Yeah, and and I was with my kids. I didn't see the message till like ten minutes before the call, oh, and I don't want to say. I never want to say no. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, fuck it. I will just. I will just sit down and I'll just. I'll just. Yeah, shoot, shoot a, from the hip. Shoot a shoot. shoot yeah, the fucking hip. Yeah, and uh, and and it was it was a miss. I will say that I had one really solid end joke, mm-hmm. but I couldn't <laughs> get to that point. And fucking Kirk again. He he knows. This guy's drowning. I'm gonna fucking cut the line. And let him go under. Mm-hmm. He knows, you know, not not to let me fucking, you know, uh, suffer. So it, it was fine. I, I was fine, you know, uh, bombing. You you uh, you know, they're, they're not all hits, guys. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Um, that, that's and you have you have to have the courage to bomb. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You never give up. I mean, if you you don't, you're not gonna hit a home run every time. But when you do hit a home run, it's it feel great. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like yeah. it. Really. I know. So. Um, I asked him this uh, this same question, and um, I'm 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 wondering if it's if the same is true for you. So you obviously just talked about how how Kirk reached out, and obviously this show is different than EEI. Um, Kirk reached out for you to call as a mechanic or for you to call in Tuesday. Um, did Kirk ever reach out during the EEI days and try to plot anything with you guys? Because um, Tim Tim says no, and sometimes like when you when you heard that show, it was like, how the fuck isn't this planned? You, like it, it was just so good. I would say. As far as the EI goes, eighty-five percent was just um, a handful of callers knowing, reading when to call in and making it happen. And I'd say a handful of times I would get a phone call or a text from Curtis saying, uh, "You know, hey, any chance Elmo can call today?" You know, oh, nice. and, and 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 I knew that came from Kirk. I knew, you know, Kirk put that. Uh, planted that seed in, in, in Curtis's asshole oh, and nice. Curtis at times was smart enough to, to, to issue it forward to me. And, and then, and then the next 20 minutes was me pulling over in my car and fucking getting my Elmo voice down 
which you have to, you have to actually sit there and, and, and find it because sometimes you can sound like someone else, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, I, but I can see that easily being Cookie Monsters. You know, but, oh but, yeah, like, if it could be Grover. Yeah. You know. up here. Grover's down here. But you know, if you fuck up that one time, you get one shot. You call in, you have one shot, and you get it. You and then then of all, of course. I'd already been listening to the show all day, so I know what they're talking about, and now I can put down my four or five bullet points. Nice. If I get through all four, I have fucking succeeded. And if I get through all four, and, and, and all, you know, three or four bullet points, and I get through it, and Kirk keeps fucking tickling my balls, and we keep playing, and th- <laughs> that that's when I'm like, wow, now we're now we're fucking riffing, and it's all fucking you know improv, and and, and I'm and, and like I said, that takes me back to the things that I miss of my life in L.A. and 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 Kirk, and and. A small fucking fragment, EI and Kirk especially, and now the Kirk Manhattan show gave me that, gave me that back, that outlet. So, um, last week on the podcast, Blind Mike's Daddy brought up um, your retweet of uh, the KMS polls about like who who should go into um, the studio like next and stuff. And and the reason I bring that up is because you basically just said all of those same things, like where like you you write songs, you do parody calls, you like help out the show however you can, you know what I mean? Um, how how did you feel like about that poll? Because I think, I, I, I'm not sure who came out on top, Steve's a liar guy? Um, I think Steve's a liar guy, which, you know, listen, the guy the guy's a songwriter and, he, and he's the best. Yeah. Uh, you know, what other content has he ever done? What does he have as far as going exactly. back and forth? He I, Listen, I don't think he wants that. He doesn't want that. The guy is a fucking, you know, he's, he's like a, um, he's a genius. But right. but he has his niche, and that's what his niche is. Right. You know, I, I, I'm going to say this as far as Kirk with interviews. And it happened with, with – uh, when I went into EEI, and I went in a, a few times and sat in studio. And the okay. first thing they do when you walk in the door is say, listen, uh, you can't do this. You can't say that. You can't do this. Don't go here. Don't go there. You know, it's like I was supposed to go in one day and slam Dale Arnold. And as I'm walking in, they're like, if you do that, you're done. We'll never bring you back. And then I go in, and, and like Kirk and, and Jerry and even Lou Maloney one time, Lou Maloney pulled me aside in the hallway, and he's like, what are you doing? Where's Kevin from Bristol? Shit on these guys, you know? And I'm mm. like, Lou, I, I, I was so afraid, you know? And, and, mm. even, and even now, when Kirk brings in um, Ryan Whitney, when Kirk brings in Jared Carabas, he respects them, and they have a conversation that is awesome. When Kirk brings in a guy like me, the first thing he does is say, why the fuck are you here? You know, you yeah. fucking suck, you know? <laughs> it's mm. like, and I love it. I love the fact that, that, that you know... And I know a lot of that is he's fucking teasing. But trust me, when you walk into EEI and they tell you if you say this, this, or this, we'll never have you back, you become boring. You become, in my, you know, my times at EEI, I fucking, I'd leave it. I'm like, what the fuck? That sucked. That's not me, you know? I never got a chance to um, Be really fucking show my true colors. And I, I can do that now on this show. Do you think, um, or do you disagree with Kirk's take that like that you're always on and like that, like, and if you went that you'd have to be on, like, because I, I, you, you, like, like, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I, like you're a regular person, you know what I mean. And I think if, if, especially if you're playing by different rules on EEI, where they're like, hey, you have to kind of be bottled up and you can't be yourself. Like, maybe, do like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not sure if I agree with with yeah. Kirk's idea that that you and Kirk alone wouldn't work. No, I mean, if if Kirk and I went through. If he interviewed me and I, and I told him my backstory, how I became how I am and why I am how I am, it's very interesting stuff. It's very fucked up stuff, how, why I'm the person that I am today. And Kirk could do a good job getting that out of me. But as far as being on, Kirk's right. I get so fucking geeked up. I get so amped up. I become a caricature of myself. And I would have to tell myself, listen, uh, don't, don't be that. Because I want to be the – whenever I was at a party, 
I needed to make sure the party was good. But even if it wasn't mine, I wanted to be the life of the party. I wanted to be the guy that fucking jumped out a window. You know, I wanted to be the guy that fucking streaked. I wanted to be the guy that fucking, you know, threw up in, in the ladies' vase. You know, I, I just <laughs> I wanted to make sure when the party was over, people remembered that I was there. You know, I, I'm, I'm a fucking, you know, I, I am theatrical and a showman. And it's a lot of times it's too much. He, Kirk is right. I, I, I sometimes am so on that it, it's, it, I, I, I fucking, I get sick of myself. And, and, I, and I know, I say it all the time, I'm not for everyone. When guys criticize me, I accept it. Listen, mm-hmm. you criticize me, it's like sometimes I am fucking, uh, I'm, a, um, I'm an attention whore sometimes. I, I talk too much, as you guys can fucking tell, you know. Um, <laughs> but I really feel like I have a great backstory. I feel like I have uh, a fucking, my, my story from day one of being born. Um, and like I said, I, I, would, I, I think Kirk could really delve into this shit. I was fucking fucked by a babysitter when I was 11 years old. A girl, by the way. Um, nice. <laughs> and, and this went on for years. There's, there's, so, many, the there's, there's, so, there's so many layers to why I am the way I am um, that, that uh, I think it'd be a really good uh, time being with Kirk and really just letting my fucking curtain open and letting my fucking, you know, my dong hang out. <laughs> I, 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 think, I, think, I think Kirk's right that I am too on sometimes, but if he brought me in the right situation, the right circumstances, uh, it could be fucking gold. Nice. So, on the subject of of Kirk, still. So, a couple months ago, there was that whole incident about you know Blind Mike was out of the studio. You had made a call. You you, you got Kirk to sing with you, and then the day the day after Kirk went off on that yeah. on you about that. Do you? I mean, hindsight being twenty twenty, do you have any regrets about that call? <laughs> of course, of course. I didn't handle it well, you know. But but the whole thing is, I mean, a lot of that is shtick. I wanted to. Get to a point where I could where I could say my bit about the um about the about, you know get I wanted to get to a certain point in in the in the call but at the same time when I when I when I was building up what I was saying to Kirk I wanted to let Kirk know all of his colleagues and friends uh, turned their back on him and I wanted to let him know that Kevin from Bristol and and I even said the the and he wouldn't let me get to it the loosest term of friend. You know, I would never turn my back on him. I would never not stick up for him. I would never not fucking be there for him. I want to let him know that that and the loosest term of friend can mean something as simple as you know, um, hey, hey, the the, the uh, it's your friends here at Honda. We noticed your Odyssey hasn't been serviced. I'll bring it in. We'll give you an oil change. That's all I was saying was the fucking loosest term of friend. I don't want to fucking go to dinner with Kirk. You know, I I don't I don't need that. I, I like what we have. I don't want to fucking you know. Um, overstep my bounds right and when i used the word friend he was like i'm not your fucking friend i'm like i know i know you're not i I already have a friend who's fucked in the head who's depressed and suicidal i have my own version of kirk who's a fucking genius as well he's an artistic genius um but but the whole thing was it was a bit and then i fucking i don't know when to quit either i Mm. i I, I hung on too long you know kirk eviscerated me because he's fucking faster than me in the fucking brain department And and the and the whole thing was when I say friend, I meant the loosest goddamn fucking mother shit in term of friendship as possible, which I think we are. I think a lot of us, you know, when you use the word friend, yeah, I'm not going to call you and ask for fucking recipes for, you know, uh, French onion soup. But but I, I do think that we are here for each other. You know, uh, Kirk's reached out to me in some shitty times. And listen, I, I get it. He's a human being. And, and, and aside from him having the... The persona of being a fucking you know maniac and, and a badass. He's got a huge heart. You guys know that. He helps people. He wants to help people. When my mother died, you know, he reached out 
it, it was, you know, three sentences, but it meant the world to me. That's, I was like, yeah. you know, it, it just, I'm like, that, that's, that's, I, I, I struggled with my mother. My mother was my best friend. And, um, and, and it was, it was a shit fucking time. And Kirk mm-hmm. said three sentences to me. And you know what? It fucking, it, it put a little sun on me yeah. for five he minutes. Take, you know, he takes, like, t- fucking, he takes time out of his day to reach out to Minifans. And what I know other, that what other guy does friend. I know, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. No, no. Oh, you know, yeah, I'll say this. John Dennis, uh, reached out as well. And oh, nice. I, 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 John Dennis and I go, go back even further. He's the one that got me on the show in the first place. But anyway, um, you're right. Not many guys will do that. Not many guys at all. And, and you're, the whole friend thing, I'm like, I really fucking fucked this up. You know, it, it got so fucking convoluted. It got so stupid. And, um, and, and, and me, me being, I commit. Whenever you do, whether it's a voice or a song or a bit or a call, I, I, I have a hard time not committing to the point of failure. You know, and that's what I did there, and um, I'm fine with it. I, I, yeah. I, I, like I said, I'm gonna bomb sometimes, and yeah, I can, I can, you, I can eat that. You got over. You seem to have gotten over the hump anyway. So that, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what makes a good, you know, parody call, a parody account. Someone that hits a wall but finds a way through that wall and over that wall. Exactly. So that that obviously was a couple months ago, but um, maybe about a year before that, Kirk actually put you on his Mount Rushmore of minifans. Um, so I have I have a, a nice junkie radio question or, or part of my take question for you. Yeah. Who's on Kevin from Bristol's Mount Rushmore of minifans? Jesus Christ! I mean, you know, I, I I truly respect longevity. I truly respect guys who um, stay in for the long haul. Which is why I think I think Kirk put me on his Mount Rushmore because I was there before Kirk was Kirk. I was on EEI basically before Kirk was, and when Kirk showed up, I was like, "Oh my god!" I I I I I see like something I see and hear something I've never heard before. So I mean, I think Kirk knows when Kirk left EEI, I never listened to it again. I shut it off. Fuck EEI. Yeah, Wanna so. fuck over Kirk? You fucking you, I'm done with you. And I, and there were some guys I liked on that station, but I I was a Kirk guy through and through. I still am. Um. So as far as my, my Mount Rushmore goes, you know, there are guys who called into that show who are still around today. And you know it's Tim from Canton. Mm-hmm. You know it's Steve from Providence. Those guys, you know, I, I look up to those guys. I, I hear those guys. I see those guys. And they're still fucking doing shit. They're still out, you know, uh, boots on the, on, the, on the fucking ground, you know. And I'm like, my God, that is fucking glorious. When I hear and see things like that, um, and, and when I see them out doing things, I'm like, I wish I was with them. You know, I, I, I have a hunger for stuff like that, too. I have a hunger um, to to still contribute. And, and my wife will even say, my wife likes the fact that I'm in this world. But like I nice. said, she she's um, she's she's corporate. She's structured. She's like, she's like you're, you're doing all this. You're spending time thinking of things, creating things, writing things, singing things. She's like, and you get nothing in return. You don't get like you get paid for it. You know, what are you doing? And I'm like, you have no idea how much this whole world feeds my soul. And when I see guys, you know, like Steve from Providence, Tim from Canton, who are still doing it all these years later, it's like, those are my kindred spirits. Those are guys who I get it. I get that it feeds their soul as well, you know? And, and, and that's why when it was like live events, I don't want to miss one. When I get yeah, a chance exactly. to, to not just see Kirk live, because I, I, trust me, I love seeing Kirk perform in, in any way, shape, or form, but to see the Minifans gather together and how fucking cool they all are together. All the fighting, all the nonsense goes away, and it's just a fucking bunch of guys who are like, "Hey, I'm I'm garbage munchkin. I'm so and so." I'm like, I'm like, right. I'm like, this is fucking amazing. All these handles, all these fucking, you know. And, and and trust me, we're we're better than the Whack Packers. 
We oh, are, yeah, we yeah. are, um, family. Yeah, yeah. All these things, like, like uh, Blind Prison Mike got, got, you know, terrible. Yeah. Got let go. Yeah. And like yeah. the first thing I did was like, and let, trust me, it's like I'm not a wealthy person, but I want this guy to. I want to make sure this guy's kids get a fucking Christmas. Yeah, so the first thing I did was send some money and I'm like, you know, it's, it's, I know it's not a lot, but if everyone does it and if we we all do it for each other, like I see that and I'm like, you know, here's this guy Kirk that Murchison wants to destroy and all he does is goodwill and all his followers do is goodwill. And the only time we get our fucking dander up is either with each other, (laughs) which is incredible, but we do. (laughs) It's with each other or it's against guys who fucking persecute Kirk and they persecute Kirk because they don't fucking know the truth about him that his heart is bigger than his fucking angry cock <laughs> so but while we're on the subject of family um you did bring your family over to Saco. We, we went on saturday you went on sunday i know um so what does your family think of your minna fandom are they you know you talked a little bit about your wife what about your kids and they know what's going on with you and your minna fandom when my kids when, when we're listening to like pandora and like um um What's that song? Uh, God, I forget. I've been walking these streets so long. <laughs> My kids start jumping around. They're like, that's the song that Kirk danced to at the end of the Sacco show. <laughs> they know. They fucking know. Um, but no, no. In all honesty, my, my, my kids like to see that their dad is is partaking in something that makes them happy. You know, I, I spend the majority of my time um, making my kids my fucking number one priority. We have fun together. We do things together. I'm, I, I am, I am, the dad that my dad couldn't be. You, you we always try to outdo our own fathers and, and, and be good at that stuff. So trust me, my kids get um, a lot of attention. We were in New Hampshire on our one week. We we take a week vacation in the summer and a week in the winter. And um, my wife's like, listen, if you really want to do it, we'll take the whole family up to Saco. We were already at our at our uh, vacation spot in New Hampshire. Okay. And I didn't want to leave, just leave them there. So they came with me. I told the kids, you're going to hear things that you probably shouldn't hear and see things you shouldn't see. But you know what? It's like going to a movie. You might hear a few bad words and see a few bad scenes, but mm-hmm. just roll with it. And yeah, my it kids are pretty there, cool you know? about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, trust me. There, there, are, there are parents who would never have taken their kids there, but they fucking, you know, they're either, whatever. They're, they're just, they're, it, it's how you are with your kids when, when the light's not on. That, 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 that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and trust me, my wife knows that all the years of winning the, the whinies of the week, all, all that stuff... It's something. It's something. It's something tangible, and it's something like I said that feeds my my soul. And she knows when I'm happy, I'm a better person. And being part of the show makes me fucking happy, and it makes me a better husband and a better father, and all that stuff all rolls into one. So I um, you brought up Ryan Whitney before. Being that you've you've been a Kirk fan since since CEI, I um was was wondering this going into this interview. How do you feel about about Whitney's um, Whitney's performance and and um, how do you feel about Carabas, who has been on the show a couple times, um, and the show just kind of without Blind Mike as a whole? Um, when Blind Mike's back on the show, it does feel kind of like home again. Yeah, just stuff, just, they, just they, to jump in for one second, I thought yeah. the, the three times he's been on, I think he's he's been so good. Like I hope that this is like what we get from now on from Mike. I think he's been so like he's yeah. back, baby. You know. Yeah. I mean, I I think he's fucking you know. Um, mildly retarded for not wanting every second he can get back on the show. <laughs> of course, but I understand yeah. if if he's happy and one one day a week makes him happy and he's and he contributes like he is right now, then I'm happy for him and I'm happy for the show because because it really does help both. Um, as far as Whitney and Carabas goes, now Carabas, um, when I first they bring on Carabas, I'm like this guy's a fucking baseball schlep. 
What a fucking bore. Fuck this guy. And he comes on and and you know and, and I got I have to give credit to Kirk because Kirk can get the best out of anyone. But when you when you see what Carabas is, he really is like a fucking minifan. Carabas has a lot of our same traits. He's fucking yep. weird. He's fucking, you know, he's a misfit. Um <laughs> He listens to no other show on, on Barcelona except for Kirk's. You know, Carabas is a minifan, but the only difference is Kirk respects him as a professional. Oh, yeah. So he tell. gives them you the fucking tell. freedom and the space to talk and to be part of the show. You know, I mean, he's like, I love Carabas. It's like, yeah, of course you love Carabas. Carabas fucking adores you. And, and he yeah. should. He should because Kirk brings the best out of him. Kirk yeah. brings the best version of Carabas out on his show. And you know what? And I end up, when I saw Carabas at, um, at the VFW show, I was like, you know, I was wrong about you. I told him live in person. I said, I thought you were a fucking drip. And you come on the show, and I realize you're one of us. And I re- really, I, I enjoy his time on the show. I, I think it's it's wise that once a week or once every couple of weeks is great. You don't want to overdo it with him. Um, and just like Whitney. Whitney, um, Kirk can play along with him. Kirk respects him. He mm-hmm. is, he's, great you know, he, he's... He's on. He's on his level, and they can and, and they can bust each other's balls, yeah. and and it doesn't ever lead to anything. You ever have somebody where you bust their balls, and, and the fucking whole rest of the time, the rest of the show, it is just a fight or it's a fucking bitch mm-hmm. fest. And Kirk and and Whitney would go back and forth, and then move on to the next topic. That's how it's mm-hmm. supposed to be. I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and and once again, that's Kirk. I mean, you could say, I mean, spitting chiclets. I, I think I've listened to twice in my life. I don't have the time for all the podcasts. I wish I did, but you know, it's okay. But when he comes on with Kirk, it's fucking exceptional, because mm-hmm. Kirk knows how to play the game better than anybody yeah. else. It was a good, it was a good appearance, and it was left left you wanting more. It was, I thought it was a phenomenal, phenomenal episode. Yeah, and if he was on once a month, I'd be fucking stoked. Yep. I so I kind of just want to ask you like like a random question, given given your personality and and uh, the kind of jokes you know you like to make. How fucking stupid is Craig Carton? Like, what the fuck? Fourier, like, like, okay, you went to prison. Someone is going to ask you that, dude. And like they said on the show, it's going to get fucking worse for you if, you if you're that sensitive. And like, and like Kirk obviously kind of, like I love Kirk, but he's obviously kind of like talking a lot about Craig Carton. And I kind of think he wants Craig Carton to say something. And we all know Craig Carton does not want that fucking problem. You no, know? no, you're right. You're right. And, and I'll say this. Craig Carton, even on his own show, when he was on with Boomer back in the day, mm-hmm. he was kind of like the clown. He was goofy. Yeah. You know, if anything, he should have understood where Christian Fourier was coming from. He could have played the game for two seconds. He could have ended that, that whole question thing with one stupid answer. Uh, one like, you know, uh, yeah, the, the conjugal visit was my left hand. Yeah. You know, yeah. he could have <laughs> made one simple joke and moved on. L- literally could have said no comment. Fucking you know. Twat. Yeah, exactly. Even even that would have been a twat move. Make yeah, make fucking light of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and, and all, in all honesty, I believe Fourier really didn't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, Fourier made light of it, but at the same in the same breath, he doesn't know if his conjugal visits are allowed or not. The guy's wife can go there and fucking give him a hand job. He doesn't know. So he asked, and it was silly and stupid and ridiculous. From the silly, stupid, ridiculous guy on the fucking show, out of the three of them, Fourier's the goofball. That mm. that's his fucking party place. Yeah. Once again, I will say this: I think Kirk put Fourier in his place and let Fourier know I need to fucking chill out and and, and accept for what I am, what I am. Yeah. Kirk did that way back when. Kirk fucking reset Fourier. Yeah, when yeah. Fourier when, was when, the when, fucking when... tough guy, douchebag, and then and then and then Kirk basically rebooted him. 
And when Fourier came back, he was better for it. You, you, you know what rebooted Fourier? Pinning Kirk to that wall or whatever the fuck <laughs> happened in that hallway. That's what rebooted yeah. his brain. That suspension oh. or whatever, those days off. I wish I was there for that. <laughs> you know, and it's like Fourier who is, he's multiracial. He's, he's um, I think he's African-American and he's white. Yeah. And he did a shitty fucking uh, he, He's Asian more than that, fucking... honestly. He, he has like, he's like a, he's unbelievably like, like multiracial. I'll look it up now. Sorry, go ahead. No, and, and the guy had to go to fucking uh, uh, sensitivity counseling because he did a, a shitty Asian voice. Where if he did sure. if he did it if he did an Irish voice, uh, you know, right. or a like French voice or yeah. a Russian voice. If he did any other voice, no one would have given a shit. But he did fucking an Asian voice, and all of a sudden that's taboo. You know, even though he has no fucking ill will against Asian people, the guy who's multi. Racial himself had to go to sensitivity training, and that was when I knew Kirk would never, never, and Kirk's whole show and all of his fans would never make it on on terrestrial radio. So I, I am so thrilled we are where, where we're at. Nice, because Willie Bangerout can call up and talk about uh, <laughs> fucking some assholes and some pussies. Oh shit! So, but since you brought us back to Willie Bangerout, um, what what call? Is there a call that you're most proud of that you've made into the Minifan show or into your time at WEI? Is there one call that sticks out? I mean, w- Willie was the best call on the Kirk Minahan show. Back when I did um, EI, I had a call where Captain Hungwell was at Gam Gam's house giving oh, her a bath. Oh, my. I f- and, and, oh my and it was like I was doing <laughs> multiple characters. I, I, my, my bullet points were gone after two seconds and I was just fucking riffing and Kirk was setting me up and I was teeing off and it was, fu- it was like, you have no idea how, when that call ends, I, I am 10 feet tall and I'm only five nine. So it, 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 it is, uh, um, it's, 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 you know, your endorphins are going and you, you know, it, it takes someone like Kirk to, to. To spar with, you know. I mean, Jer- Jerry was okay too. Jer- Jer- Jerry uh, was okay. He-, he enjoyed it, but Kirk knew how to set me up, and he still does. Yeah, I feel um, like I feel like Jerry would just be giggling, and Kirk would be asking the questions. Like Jerry, would right? Be like, oh, <laughs> like, like, like he he wanted the. Uh, the, the, the chance to be like, oh, well, if Kirk was doing it, I was just like, like I had nothing to do with it. You know, I like, feel like, like he always wanted the out. Even when, when Willie called, you know, it's he, he, Willie Banger out. And, 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 and Kirk started, he's like, hold on, hold on. His name, your name, what was your name again? Yeah. And, I, and, and it gave me the chance to say, Willie Banger out. My friends call me Will. Will Banger out. You know, it, 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 he, he, he knew to slow that down, say that again, and have a chance to elaborate on it. And I did. I got to change Willie. You know, which would be his full name to Will, and the it was a good name of Will. saying Will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so so right there, it's like Kirk knows how to. He knows something's yeah. good. He slows the moment down. He fucking you know he he mm. knows how to fucking frost a cake. You know, right. um, I'll say this: when I was in L.A., um, I went on some auditions, and the cast directors were like, "You're very sharp. You're very fast. We recommend you go to a place called Groundlings." And um, you take some classes. It will make you really good at auditions. So I go to this place um, in Hollywood. It's, it's the uh, Groundlings Comedy Improv Theater. Mm-hmm. And I sign up. And they say, listen, you can't just sign up. You have to audition to get in. We take a class of whatever it is, 15 people. There'll be 50 people auditioning. Only 15 get in. Wow. So you have to audition. Then you get in. Now, every level of Groundlings, you have to. So the first class is 15 to 20 people. When it goes to the second class, they only take eight or nine. 
and it goes to, and, it, and it goes on like that. Mm. When you get to the final level of Groundlings, you're actually in the Groundlings Performance Theater where you perform on stage. That stage is known as the minor leagues for Saturday Night Live. I had teachers like fucking Amy Poehler, um, Michael McDonald. Oh, um, you know, it's like I was with these people watching them perform, and I was fucking right there. And it's it's a that that's where I get all this from. I had to, and 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 there was a guy named David Johns. If you look up David Johns, he's also a great improv performer. He's in lots of commercials. He does lots of bit parts in movies. Him and another guy. If you if, if I showed you his face, you'd be like, oh my god, I fucking know that guy. He's in every commercial. There were these two instructors, and they loved me. And they were like, Kevin, you're going to roller skate through here. You're going to be a fucking star. <laughs> I will tell you this. When I got toward the end, the guy from um, Mad TV, Mike McDonald, he was one of my instructors. He fucking hated me. He fucking hated me to the point where he told me he hated me. The whole class is dying laughing at my skit, and he's stone-faced. He said, you're too repulsive. Your humor is not for this show. And I'm like, everyone's fucking on the floor yeah. laughing, and this motherfucker is telling me I'm not going to make it. And, and I was I was at the final level of Groundlings, whereas if you get through, you're you're in you're in the show. You get you're a paid performer, and you are basically there to be picked to go to Saturday Night Live. You, people in Groundlings all the time get plucked and they go try out for Saturday Night Live. That was the next stage for me. And Michael McDonald made sure I did not get through, and it was fucking devastating for me because I was the top guy in the class for you know. Four years straight. When it got to the end, Michael McDonald fucking hated me. So whenever I see that motherfucker on TV or in a movie, I fucking want to punch him in the throat. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. That 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 um that that groundlings performing, that improv, uh, you know, um, that's what led to all this. That's what led to doing characters, to writing songs. It's all you did during groundlings, you know, and um, I feel like that that was my training and, and and to not do it anymore was killing me. So to be part of this world now with all of you characters, all of us together and whether we're showing up somewhere to to uh, support Milton's, whether we're showing up somewhere to 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 fuck over Murchison, you know, Murchison to do a vigil, you know, to show that, you know, uh, you're wrong to try to snuff out our freedom of speech and freedom of fucking fun. Or whether we're showing up somewhere to, to, to help save Mancock's kid, or whether we're showing up somewhere to, you know, to support uh Blind Prison Mike. Uh, uh, anything. Whatever we do, we are there as a fucking family. solid unit. Yeah, family. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And and, and, and I'm, I, my, my contribution is good for others, I hope. People enjoy and they laugh and they have a good time. If you don't like me, I understand that too. But this is all stuff that I need. I need to do this. When I was in LA, I, every day I was on an audition. And even if I didn't get the part, being on the audition was my chance to perform. And not having that here in Rhode Island was destroying me as a human being. Okay. So being part of the show and doing the calls and doing the fucking songs and, you know, if, if I get to go into the studio, that's all stuff that fucking breathes life into me again. Why, so, why did you come back east? So um, that is a good question. Great I, you know, question. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> when you go on an audition, you show up and there are 500 people that look kind of like you. Hmm. And you might get a call back. And if you get a call back, you show up and there's 100 guys that look like you. Then there's 50. Then there's 10. Then there's 5. Then there's 2. Then you get the job. There's a handful of times where I fucking booked a job. And I had two lines in a movie. But those two lines in the movie took me going to fucking 10 auditions against 1,000 people. And I fucking got it. You know, it was really, really, really fucking... Um, doggy dog. That, 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 but, that, but that fed 
my life. That that it was it was all I liked. You know, I was on a set with Stallone. I was on a set with when I was on I was in the movie. I got my SAG card in a movie called um, Men of Honor with uh, De Niro and Goodwill and uh, and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Mm-hmm. I was one of the sailors. I got my SAG card because I was there every day early. I made sure to be front and center. I was always there to help. I, I didn't get a line in that movie, um, but I what, was fucking. What's seen. a SAG card mean? I don't know what that means. It, the Screen Actors Guild is a union. And once oh, you get yeah, your SAG card, mm-hmm. now now you're eligible to to go out for parts, like bigger parts. Oh, I see. Without I without, see. without a SAG card, you can get what's called a three and under, maybe. If you get a three and under, then you get your SAG card as well. So, but but even to say one line in the movie is so hard to get. So when I got my SAG card, Men of Honor, it was it was partially because of Cuba Gooding Jr., who fucking I'd show up on set and he'd see me and he'd go Santazo and he'd run up and he'd hug me and pick me up. The guy loved me. He was a sweetheart of a guy. Cuba Gooding Jr. was a fucking great guy, and I had a lot of good experiences on movie sets with good people. But um, that was the one where he made sure that I was always in the scene. He made sure I was always part of the action. And you have to get a voucher to get a SAG card. It takes three vouchers to get your SAG card. I got all three on Men of Honor. Some guys, okay. it takes them six movies to get their fucking vouchers. I got all three on a three-month three shoot. Um, I got to nice. meet De Niro. I got to meet Cuba. I got, you know, it, it was, it was, you know, it was for me starting out, it was a fucking, you know, a great launching pad. And, and like I said, um, I really think, I went to L.A., Leaving, I was in I was in Rhode Island, and I was in Boston. I went from CCRI, I transferred to Northeastern, I dropped out of Northeastern because I was auditioning for things, and I was getting everything. In Boston, I was booking every commercial, I was booking uh, local TV shows, I was booking everything. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? And I went to LA with a big fucking head. And when I got there, it got fucking crushed real quick. Real quick. Your, your, your stuff you, you get in Boston means nothing in LA. But anyway, to be on that movie set, to be part of all that... Really fucking reloaded my gun and, and set me off again. Um, so, like I said, uh, being back here now, being part of this world, having that good call with Willie Banger out to me that that that's being on a movie set, that's getting an audition, that's getting a callback, that's getting a small role. You know, all those things are things that I need to continue thriving as a fucking healthy human being. That that's, that's a great story. We there's so much stuff we have to cover with you. We may have to do a second show. But uh, I'd be happy to. I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I get so fucking long-winded, and, and you know, right. and, and and I, I, it's like when when you when you when you call the show, <laughs> or if you're on the show, I feel like I talk faster because I want to get it all in. But at yeah, the same you time, you know, out. you don't want to be boring, you know. And and when I'm talking to you guys, I want to give you all the information that I can right. without like, fucking just meandering and being a fucking right. talking but, douche. But like like you said, that you have like a phenomenal story to tell, and we may have to do have you as a recurring guest but i want to get into the creative process with the music because because you 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 work with kobe james and the ramblers what what goes into that process i mean do you do you write most of the lyrics for the song is it a collaboration what's it all about when i when i write music like like kobe can sit down and he can take his guitar and he can he can just all of a sudden create a melody i can't do that i can't create music but i can write stories and I can write. Uh, sometimes, sometimes he'll have the music, and I can fill in the. I can hear the music, and I can almost hear the music telling me a story, and I can start writing the lyrics to fill in that story. Other times, I'll be so inspired by, whether it's an act or something that I, that something that happened that day, or a few words go together, and I'll hear that, and all of a sudden I'll build a song around it, and I'll hand Colby just lyrics, and he'll take it, he'll look at it, 
and he'll start strumming his guitar, and all of a sudden he has a melody to go with it. And a few times, you know, we've had we had a song almost make the movie soundtrack of um, "Buried" with Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Um, I wrote the lyrics, gave them to Colby. He wrote he wrote music to go to those lyrics in fucking twenty minutes. He's he's really a genius when it comes to uh, uh, discovering melodies. Um, when it comes to song lyrics for like a parody song, it can be one word that when I hear music, and and, and my wife hates me because when music comes on. Sometimes I'll throw her name in a song, or I'll throw, look. I, I had a friend; his name was Dave Drew. I can't tell you how well Dave Drew fits into a million songs. And, and my friend Dave Drew, he hated me as well because whenever a song came on, I would put his name into the song and I change a few lyrics as I was singing it to to fit his name. And he's like, "Fucking stop it! That's so annoying." <laughs> but now, when it comes to parody stuff, like Matt Carano was on for a week, and I was I was at work. And um, I thought, oh, wow, I have a great idea for a Carano song. His name just fits into a song. Now, as I'm writing, I'm sitting there at work, and I'm writing the lyrics down. And, and, and I swear to God, I swear to God, I had Pandora on the computer. And all of a sudden, a, a verse in, the song comes on the screen. I took a picture of it. I took a picture of me writing the lyrics, and in the background, on Pandora, the song came on. And um, I won't tell you what the song is, because hopefully it makes the show next week. But right. all of a sudden, it, it all came together. And maybe four or five parts of the song clicked into Carano's story. And then it's just a matter of filling in all the, all the, all the, um, all the blanks, which I love doing. It's like, it's like putting a puzzle together. You can have one, um, one word or one phrase that fits into a song, and, and you know you have to put the rest to it. I'll give you – and, and there's, a few, there's a few where you, you give up. Like right now, Kirk and Steve are working on – um, the secret project? Yes. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm in my car, and what comes on the radio but TNT by um, by ACDC. Mm-hmm. Right. And in my head, it's on, and all I keep saying is, uh, I keep going, Kirk and Steve, the dynamite. <laughs> Kirk and Steve. Now, I can't hear fucking TNT anymore. All I hear in my head is Kirk and Steve, mm-hmm. you know? But when I try to write the song to those lyrics, it doesn't it doesn't all compute very well, and I'm like, it's not a good fit, you know. The, but that's how an idea is born. That that's how it can be one fucking thing that clicks in your head. And like I said, Carano was on for a week. All of a sudden, I'm hearing songs, and I'm hearing Carano's name fucking stuck in the songs. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's nothing. And once in a while, like with the with the song I picked, I'm like, oh my god, it's it's not an all time great. But the song just made sense. And it told Carano's story. It really does. When you, when you guys hear it, you realize, holy shit, everything he's saying in this song tells Carano's whole story. You know? And, 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 I, and I'll, I'll say this now. I, I think Carano's so valuable. He, is, he's, he can help the show, film and producer. He can provide content. He blocks a lot of people. <laughs> but, but he gets made fun of a lot. A yeah, fucking lot. You know? So... When I sing this song and it fucking definitely makes fun of him, I know the guy has a thick skin. I know he knows he's valuable. I know that that he knows that I think he's valuable, and I hope that he that he tips his hat to this song, you know, um, because it makes fun of him. But at the same time, it shows you don't write a song about somebody unless you think that you appreciate them or you despise them. And I certainly don't despise him. So. I- we want to get you out of here by asking um, about uh, the, the secret project. But before we go there, I actually sent a tweet uh, to the both of you. Uh, do you guys? Saw, yeah. yeah, if you I could just... open that up, Kev, I think I think you might really enjoy that. It's from it's from Tim Ridgels. 
Riggles. Uh, Riggles. Did you tag me in it? Yeah, uh, I did it. You and Blind Mike's Daddy. It's, it's up. Well, if you just want to go to Tim's profile, it's his, it's his new uh, profile pic. <laughs> Tim Riggles' profile? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, <laughs> the, the Mutt Minotaur? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Now, see, that, that version of Mutt would give fucking Hungwell a, uh, yeah. a, a, a hard time. Uh, but you know what? The Minotaur he picked is a female. <laughs> <laughs> There's no cock on that minotaur. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mutt has those pecs and those abs and no dong. Well, I guess it kind of reflects reality. I, oh. my, my favorite story about That's Mutt is great. that he's, he's such a Jim Hardo. Like the fucking hat backwards and the gloves and the, and the, and the gallon of water. I just, I can't believe that, you know? Yo, oh, but you know what? But Mutt's a fucking sweetheart. He's such yeah, a he's, such yeah, a he really he's such a nice guy. He if you want to talk to him, he'll make time for you. He'll make too much time for you. You know, Mutt, Mutt, Mutt is you know as much as he is uh, you know a, a goofball with the gambling and the fucking horses and the drinking and the fucking hardness. <laughs> uh, he's he's a sweetheart of a person. Um, I only got to meet him once, but what, what a nice guy. It's too bad. It's too bad he doesn't have the talent to get out of EEI. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um. Well, excited. Um. We, before we wrap it up, I just want to talk about this this vision I have in this 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 goal because we're all Bristolians and I think we could do something special together. So, Sako, if, he, if Kirk talks about if we do it a yearly thing, I, I I put an idea out there on Twitter about making like a film festival. So I and you have a Hollywood background. I, I was hoping that you could write a script for a Cullen movie where where you're the star and I'm the villain. Maybe we can collaborate on something to get a blind it's, it's, it's a it's a good idea. And yeah. here here's here's how you expand on that. Yeah. You have several groups of people yeah. do like um I don't know, ten five minute videos or, right. or, or, or seven three minute videos and you air those videos before the show starts. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a fucking it's a it's a good idea I, and it could be fucking a blast. What if we did that like I did like 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 you said, ten five minute videos, but I, like Kirk should make Cullen, dude, and Kirk should write Cullen, and like you know what I mean, and, and like still, like what if that's what Sako was? Where like like maybe you get a live show, or whatever, but like what if they're just fucking showing us Cullen, dude, like like an episode? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That'd be sick. Even if it's shot like poorly, who gives a shit? You know I what I mean? It would like, be so much fun. Black and white. I, I just have this vision for it. it. Would just be. I mean, there's so many locations in Bristol where we could film it out. I know. Oh yeah, and like I said, if 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 a few pods of people, a few groups of people did their own little thing, and you played each one, that's just the, the minifans would fucking eat it up. And and like I said, I think that Kirk knows how to orchestrate everyone's talent, so he might take that idea and evolve it into something even better. You know, right. so that would be something you'd say beforehand, and Kirk would take it and he would fucking mold it into what he thought would fit his idea of a show, and and I'd be happy to be involved. Fucking thrilled. So so just before um, we hopped on and we'll get you out of here on this, uh, you were saying that you're actually one of the the um, people who prefer hour and a half shows. That that being true, and um, how how are you feeling about the secret project? Is this something that still excites you? Um, given that like maybe you don't have as much time as as ever uh, as everybody else to listen and um, and to take in like Kirk shows, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's you just hit the nail on the head. Um, my wife has the fucking uh, meat and potatoes job. She's she's um, corporate and she's in, involved from morning till night, and I am the guy who 
um, gets my kids up, I, I get their hair done, get them dressed, I make them breakfast, I make their lunches, I get them to school, and then I go to work for a few hours, then I'm out of school to get them off the bus. Um, when Kirk was doing three-hour jobs, it was literally I was sneaking in some time at work, I was listening before picking up the kids, and then I was listening at like midnight after everyone was asleep, and I, and I, and I, and I had to get it in because I, I, need, I need the content. I eat it. You know? But when he did an hour and a half show, hour and 40 minutes, it was just much easier for me to imbibe it all and to, and to digest it all and be part of it. I, I appreciated that. I appreciated the show. I think that Kirk could easily stretch an hour and a half show into three hours, but he can all, he also he's good enough that he can make the hour and a half so con, so fucking full of chock full of of good bits and good information that the hour and a half show was equally as valuable as the three hour show. Um, and then and then what he's doing now when he, if he goes to three days a week, I'll, I'll be okay with that. I mean I love it every day, but if that crime fucking podcast pops up uh, between three days a week or, or even additional with it. Um, I know Kirk said he's concerned. He's like, I don't know if this is for all the Minifans. I don't know if they'll all like this. Um, I, for one, um, am I'm chomping at the bit. I can't wait to hear a different version of Kirk. Um, you know, the, the fucking Kirk Lock Holmes or sure Kirk Holmes, whatever the fuck you want to call him. <laughs> um, and fucking Steve Watson. You know, I can't wait, <laughs> wait to hear these guys, you know, tackle a different genre. Just you know, give me an I, idea I, for I my just, next caller. Yeah, yeah. See, so I mean, you're right. Uh, the the shorter show is definitely for a guy who is uh, a dad and a guy who has a household to, to keep in order. Uh, the hour and a half shows are really easy to digest for me and really easy to um, to, to to take them all in and, and also have feedback or a call or something ready for the next day. You know, um, sometimes with the three hour shows, by the time I caught up, what I wanted to call about or make a joke about was ancient history. You know, so um, so yeah, that all makes sense to me. I, I I'm not kidding you. All I can see in my head right now is the "She's the Boss" theme, like playing, and like you're Tony Danza. It's like, oh, <laughs> like just like running around the house and shit. <laughs> how, does, how does that song go? Hold on. I, I whenever I think of that one, I'm, I'm singing the oh uh, around the bend. Brand new life, brand new life around the. Bend. There's a time we're taking, the time we're taking. The choice is up to you, my friend. Oh, those are great songs. Oh, uh, we could do show. You want to do TV show songs? You fucking sign me up for another another fucking interview because uh, we we could dissect uh, TV show songs all day long. And as far as me being in them, um, yeah, that's like a dream. Just I would do short films with my friends out in LA where we just reenacted. Um, you know, either scenes or openings of shows. It's fucking great stuff. So, yeah, good, good, good hit by you. Awesome. All right, so we're gonna wrap this up, but before we wrap it up, uh, I want to give you a shout out to to your consignment store. I I went there when my wife was pregnant. We we bought some clothing for my my baby girl. Um, unfortunately, you were you were out of. Um, you didn't have anything behind the counter for me to drink, so. I, I'm going to obviously have to go back there because my yeah. daughter is obviously growing. So you want to just talk about your, your store a little bit and, and what, what it's all about? Oh, and Kev, Kev just, just before you go, yeah. like, like uh, how do you feel um, like like when Kirk plugs it a little bit? And even like even when he – like so not that he did it in a negative way, like but after the mechanical and he's like, oh, yeah, that's just stuck. I, I know Steve said it first. But like, yeah. like, how, like um, does, does that bother you when they throw that into like the cream jokes no, and stuff? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't at all, you know. It's like the people that know me – in the store that know that that's part of my life they they they, they dig it they're into it there, there's some there's actually customers and moms who started listening because i'm part of it which is really, I, I, I take a lot of pride in that i'm like listen guys it's really it can be really crude yeah and, and you find that people people enjoy that people um 
you find people have a side of them that you don't know in the regular world, and all of a sudden they hear Kirk and they let the, they let their hair down, you know, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and Kirk was um, right. yeah, I mean, a lot of people have that that itch they want to scratch deep deep inside, you know, and and and. Kirk's show definitely scratches that itch way deep inside the hole. Oh, um, yeah. As far as yeah, as far as just Ducky goes, um, it's definitely slow right now. People are being really cautious, but um, I have a I, I can take six people max in the store. They allow me ten. I made it six myself to make it safer. I, I disinfect the store. Um, people are doing curbside shopping. They're calling us if we have things. Just Ducky has a lot of clothes, a little bit of toys, puzzles, books. But there's also a, a, a selection of things that are brand new as well. So, I mean, it's kind of got everything. And when people come in, yes, they shop. But we also fucking... Uh, I get a chance to chat. Whether it's with, you know, a minifan, which is fucking awesome. Or just, just your average everyday mom. You know, um, it's definitely a place to come look around uh, and shoot the shit with me. And if, and if, if I'm stocked, we do shots together. <laughs> like I said, a true titan in this universe. Kevin, I want to thank you for coming on. Let's do this again sometime. I, I'd, I'd be happy to. It's a, it's an easy talk, an easy chat. Um, I, I hope I didn't I didn't talk too much. But, you know, I just uh, I, I I you guys ask good questions and you open the vault and things want to flow out. So I appreciate it. Blah, Daddy, say goodbye to the people. Take care, brushy hair. See you guys. <laughs>